0: Before we get started today I'd like to talk to you about our new Buy Me a Coffee memberships. You can offer 1 to 5 coffees to our staff members every month and that gets you exclusive benefits like special newsletters, behind the scenes content, the ability to ask questions directly to us, as well as a special shout out here on our podcast. And today I want to thank our members on Buy Me a Coffee, Anderson da Silva. Kat Kramer, Fra, Peter Suffering, and Anna Lund. The list has been growing, and thank you very, very much. You too should join them and support independent journalism. It's very easy. Just head to buy me a coffee and subscribe. Starting next week, you can hear your name on this podcast, Explaining Brazil. If you cannot support us on a monthly basis, you can still tip us a coffee to give us the energy we need to cover a country as complex as Brazil and a region as complex as Latin America. Head to buymeacoffee.com slash BrazilianReport to find out more. China reported horrific economic data in April. Retail sales were down 11% from a year earlier, against an expected decline of less than 7%. Car production took a 41% nosedive, while overall industrial output was down 2.9%. Meanwhile, China's jobless rate rose to 6.1%, the highest level since the 6.2% peak, seen in the early part of the pandemic in february 2020 and the list of poor numbers just goes on and on and on given the sheer importance of china for brazilian exporters any hiccups with the asian giant can have major implications here and it's not as if brazil was growing in a buoyant fashion to begin with this week We will discuss how Chinese deceleration will impact the Brazilian economy. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro, I'm the editor in chief of the Brazilian Report. This is explaining Brazil. Maurício Santodo is a political scientist and an international relations professor at the State University of Rio de Janeiro, and he has recently published a book on Brazilian-Chinese relations. Maurício, I'm very glad to have you back. It's been a while. So, to begin our conversation, can you tell us a bit more about China's zero-COVID policy and why has Chinese President Xi Jinping put the world's second-largest economy constantly on the brink of lockdown.
1: Okay, so what's happening in China now? The Chinese government became a prisoner of its own success at the beginning of the pandemic. Because the zero-COVID policy worked very well before the vaccines existed. To prevent disease, to prevent deaths, So the official numbers for COVID deaths in China are something around 5,000 people. It's a very low number. When you look to the United States with one million people killed by COVID or Brazil with 700,000 people who died from the coronavirus. But the world today is very different from it was two years ago. Now we have vaccines. We have other ways to deal with the coronavirus, that doesn't need people to go into severe lockdowns. You don't have to stop all the economic activity in your city, in your country. Zero Covid means lockdowns, it means mass testing, and it means anyone who tests positive going to a government-run quarantine centre. But the Chinese government is still refusing to adopt a more flexible pattern of response to the COVID pandemic. If we chose to lay down now, our efforts will have come to nothing. We unswervingly insist on zero COVID. So what they are doing right now is that they are repeating what they did two years ago in Wuhan, this, okay, let's lock down all the city. Let's keep people inside their homes. And so there will be no COVID, no no disease. Uh, It's more difficult to exercise this kind of power right now, not just because people are exhausted after two years of pandemic. The videos have emerged of protests like this one in Shanghai. And then this is a confrontation as police force people out of their homes. But also because we we are dealing with new variants of the coronavirus, such as Omicron, which are much more contagious than the other variants that we faced in the past. So it's much more difficult, even if you do a very strong lockdown, to keep the virus at bay. So the best response would be, my point of view, a stronger commitment to vaccination in China and more flexible approach in terms of isolation, of quarantine.
0: What is the situation of Shanghai right now and what are the ripple effects of shutting down the city considering its massive weight in the Chinese economy and, by extent, in the global economy?
1: Absolutely. I mean, this is the worst moment in China since the beginning of the pandemic. And why Shanghai is so important? Well, it's not just the economic engine of China, but I would say that Shanghai nowadays it's probably the most important city for the global economy, especially when we are discussing industrial production and uh, the chains of the supply chains of many multinational corporations around the world. So if you close down the factor of the world which is something that could describe what Shanghai is now, we are going to have a global effect. every major multinational corporation that depends in some extent of production in Shanghai, or depend on the port of Shanghai to export or import many of its products, it's going to be in trouble. So we're talking about rising costs to many different products from the iPhone to the electrical cars of Tesla. And we are also talking about uh, long periods for transportation, long lines to, to get your products on the boat, this sort of logistical problem. So it's going to affect many countries, many companies around the world, including Brazil.
0: Right. And I mean, we knew that April numbers would be bad for China, but they came much worse than expected, didn't they?
1: Uh, I would say that we should look to industrial production, uh, to retail sales, what Chinese people are buying in shopping centers, in in, in shopping in shops around the country. And uh, to look about the data concerning the Shanghai port, about uh, international trade, exports, imports, and so on. So these numbers would tell us the story about what's happening now in China. And uh, everybody knew that it was going to be difficult, but even so, it has been harder than it was expected. And there is this very strong possibility that China is going to grow grow less than 4% this year we would, would be a very bad number in the worst result since the 90s, excluding the first year of the pandemic. And we're talking about a scenario where the American economy can actually grow more than China this year. So it would be a very huge blow to the Chinese government in a moment when in October we're going to have the Congress of the Chinese Communist Party. So uh, until now, although the crisis is serious, Uh, I really think that the re-election of Xi Jinping is assured. But we are talking about a scenario of crisis that may lead to a different kind of selection for second and third grade uh, officials in in the Chinese Communist Party. So lots of political careers may be destroyed
0: because of the lockdown, destroyed because of the zero COVID crisis. Shanghai authorities, Maurício, said that they will ease restrictions in June, which on Monday drove the stock prices of Brazilian commodity producers way up. But other regions may be closing down too, right? Uh, How is the situation evolving there?
1: Shanghai is the biggest city. It's the most important city in China from the economic point of view. But uh, we also have lockdowns in more than other 45 cities. So it's a general phenomenon in China right now. And Beijing is not officially in lockdown, but it is imposing many severe restrictions. So the the situation will not end with uh, a more flexible and more relaxed environment in Shanghai. It will go on in other Chinese cities and probably, we are describing a crisis that's going to last during all this year in China uh, with economic and political instability.
0: Now, we are seeing COVID spikes in other places of the world. And just minutes before we started recording, I got a push notification from the New York Times saying that New York City was placed under, quote, high COVID alert. So, how long should we expect these lockdowns in China to continue for, considering that, I mean, COVID remains? very present in our lives.
1: Well, uh, I live in, in Brazil, in Rio de Janeiro, and the situation here is very good. I mean, it's the best since the beginning of the pandemic. Why? Because people get got vaccinated in Brazil a lot, uh, usually with two shots, with three shots. This is not happening in the United States because of several problems. Uh, this is not happening in China because the number of COVID cases were so low until a few months ago, the Chinese people didn't bother very much to search for a vaccine. They received one shot and and that was it. And now we have very important social groups in China, especially old people who are not vaccinated. And and this could be a very serious health problem for them. And we are seeing the problems of the health system in the United States. So lots of people uh, with um, uh, excess weight, with uh, heart conditions, and this is also a problem during the pandemic, right? So lots of different problems coming together at the same time. So everybody would like this nightmare to end now. Huh? Uh, perhaps it is ending in some countries, but in the United States it's not like that, In China is not like, like that. And uh, we also should remind that there is a, a major war in Europe, and this is not going to help, The fight to fight the pandemic. So it's a very difficult and complicated moment for the global economy. And sadly, it's not going to end soon. And uh, the combination of the pandemic in China with the war in Europe will probably lead to many food crises around the world because the price of food, the price of wheat, the price of bread uh, is rising in many countries and also oil, fertilizers. So I am expecting that in the next month we're going to see lots of political demonstrations of riots in many different countries, especially
0: in Africa and in the Middle East. Now, we at The Brazilian Report showed a few weeks ago that the zero-COVID policy has made freight prices between Brazil and China skyrocket. And an Association of Brazilian Meat Producers said its members, which include giants, JBS and BRF, they are already struggling to ship their products to China via the port of Shanghai. Can you explain a little bit what is happening to these trade flows between Brazil and China in 2022?
1: Well, uh, China is Brazil's biggest trade partner. More or less one-third of Brazilian exports go to China. And uh, the most important ports for this bilateral trade are Shanghai and Hong Kong. And both of them suffered the impacts of the lockdowns in each city. So that means that trades are more expensive and that they will take more time because you have to wait in a line. And the, the line outside Shanghai is something epic. It, it looks like a picture of World War II with all the lines of ships waiting to enter the port. And uh, this is something that uh, have, have a, a very bad effect in international trade, not just to Brazil, but also to other countries that depend on this trade with China. And is actually making many people, many CEOs of multinational corporations to think about changing their supply chains to depend less on China. It's, it's a discussion that began with the pandemic because of the fear of these excessive links with China. And it now becomes stronger, not just because of COVID, but also because of Russia, because of the war with Ukraine and the fear that in a few years, we may see a similar war between China and Taiwan, for example. And the effect that that would have in international trade, especially with the
0: West. Now, Maurice, I know you're going to remember this. We said in Brazil in the 80s and 90s that if the U.S. economy is sneezed, then our economy here would catch pneumonia. And we can say pretty much the same thing for China too these days. Mauricio, you must brace for pneumonia, I mean, because we're already battling the worst inflation rate in 19 years, unemployment remains in the double digits, industrial output is underwhelming, how much is it going to get worse?
1: And, and I would say that the, the Chinese economy today is not, it didn't get the flu, it, it, it got COVID, I mean, it's more serious, and we are suffering the consequences. It's true, I mean, we're talking about a global interdependent economy and Brazil has quite a fragile insertion in these international networks of trade because we basically depend on a few commodity prices and we depend a lot on one single market, which is China. So it's a very dangerous situation. Uh, The current global scenario is bad for Brazil. The war, the pandemic, these are things that are making our economic problems even bigger and they are already very serious. But there are a few economic groups in Brazil who can benefit from what's happening right now in China, especially people who export commodities, iron ore, soybeans, oil, uh, because they are going to, to to be paid bigger prices for what they sell. But for the Brazilian consumers, this is not uh, good news. And uh, we may face a situation, for example, where the price of meat, where the price of soybeans, they go up because of international demand. But this also means that local consumers in Brazil are going to pay more. Actually, something like that already happened with meat in Brazil. So this is a a very difficult situation. And as you said, we are dealing with uh, record inflation in Brazil, especially food inflation. And with millions of people in this country that are having a very hard time in buying food for their families, in having uh, food security for themselves, even before uh, this new COVID surge in China, even before the war in Europe. So it's uh, a really a, a very difficult scenario in a year that we are going to have elections in Brazil with all the tensions of a very uh, difficult campaign so it's a moment where everybody has to be cautious and thinking twice about what they're going to do.
0: And is there a formula to become less dependent on China? How long would it take to reduce this dependence?
1: It's not something easy to change. And I think that the best answer on the short run to Brazil is trying to diversify its commercial partners in Asia because it's a region of the world that is growing quite fast And there are other markets beyond China. For example, the nations of Southeast Asia, such as Indonesia, which are growing a lot, they can be an important market for Brazilian products. Or countries such as India, which also became an important trade partner for Brazil. But this is something that will require diplomacy, will require lots of commercial policy, uh, lots of help from the state. From the for the Brazilian private companies to go there to exploit these new markets, so we are basically talking about something that is going to take at least a few years.
0: You mentioned diplomacy, and we have discussed in other episodes of this show, and you have written about it in the Brazilian report too about President Jair Bolsonaro's conflictual relationship with China. Now. Just for our listeners, let's remember that Bolsonaro said China's land-grabbing ways in Brazil were a menace to our food security. Uh, He also said during the pandemic that uh, China might have released the coronavirus as a move of biological warfare. Uh, Many saw China retaliating against such moves when it imposed in 2021 a month's long ban on Brazilian beef which has now been lifted. But relations between Beijing and Brasilia were rocky at the beginning of the Bolsonaro administration and have been tepid at best. Now, the president is now focusing more and more on internal matters because we have an election looming closer, uh, considering that uh, Bolsonaro might have bigger fish to fry Um, How do you see the China-Brazil relationship evolving over the next few months?
1: Well, since the 1970s, Brazil and China developed what they called a strategic partnership. So every government that Brazil had since the General Geisel in in the 1970s uh, considered China to be an important trade and political partner. That changed a little bit in the first two years of the Bolsonaro administration, when Bolsonaro had quite a tense relationship with China. And the lowest point was the beginning of the pandemic with all the criticism that Bolsonaro and his supporters directed against China, including these conspiracy theories about the origins of the coronavirus. But nowadays, in the last couple of years, we are in a more peaceful moment of the relationship because there was this perception by the Bolsonaro administration that they could not win a fight against China, that they had to scale back the criticism that they were presenting against Beijing, and that China was very important for the health cooperation against the pandemic and also for Brazilian exports, for Brazilian trade in general. So since 2021... Uh, we are back to normal or or to a more or less normal relationship between two countries. And I think that the biggest symbol of that change was the decision to allow Huawei to take part on the auction of the internet 5G pattern in Brazil. So there was not a political veto against Huawei, as it happened in many other countries, in the United States, in Europe, in Canada, and so on. So this was very important. And uh, Bolsonaro stopped this very harsh criticism against China. His family did the same. And the president now, as you said, is much more concerned about the the re-election and about the economy, which is, of course, now his most serious problem to, to keep himself
0: on the job. Yeah, I mean, you say that Bolsonaro is worried about the economy, which means he should be worried about China, too. But foreign policy is seldom a focus point in Brazilian presidential campaigns. They usually have a peripheral role, if any, in these campaigns, right? But COVID might play a role in the campaign, especially because last year we had the major Senate hearings committee to investigate the government's COVID response, um, which found that Bolsonaro committed crimes against humanity. And Bolsonaro was indeed very lackadaisical about the coronavirus. Do you think he will use China as a case study to say that he was right all along that we should not have shut down the economy to contain COVID, but rather live with the virus as normally as we could from the cat go?
1: Well, it's a very good question. Uh, I think that international relations are going to play a role in the electoral campaign this year in Brazil. Because uh, we discovered during the pandemic how dependent we are on China, on the European Union, on the United States. And I think that the opposition will play this card to say, look, Bolsonaro created several problems with all major diplomatic partners of Brazil, and we should go and try something else. But I don't think that Brazilian politicians will criticize the Chinese government or any other government, by the way, uh, because the cost is too high. So, I don't think that they will present any kind of suggestions about how Xi Jinping should behave during the pandemic. But I think that uh, probably they will say uh, that the pandemic showed Brazilians how important the, our health system is, our public health system is to the country, and how it should be improved, how it should be protected, and so on. So, it, it will probably be this kind of debate what we should do from the point of view of domestic Brazilian politics, but not so much criticize other countries or compare ourselves to other nations.
0: Maurício, thank you very much.
1: Thank you. It's always a pleasure.
0: Maurício Santoro is a political scientist and an international relations professor at the State University of Rio de Janeiro. And he has just recently published a book on Brazilian-Chinese relations We will put the link to this book in this episode notes. And if you like Explaining Brazil, please drop us a 5-star rating wherever you get your podcasts. You know, it takes only a second and it really helps more people to find out about this show. Or, even better, you can sign up to The Brazilian Report, the journalistic engine behind this podcast. You can also sponsor us on Buy Me A Coffee, It's just buymeacoffee.com slash Report. If you go to our website, we offer a seven-day free trial, no strings attached, which gives you access to the website for a week without the need to insert any credit card details whatsoever. My name is Gustavo Ribeiro. Thanks for listening. See you next week.